this is the first episode in Getting Better Acquainted's Fringe season. Two weeks about people going to the Edinburgh and the Camden Fringe. It's not just about the shows, it's about the people, who they are and what they're all about. Hope you enjoy it. I think if you're going to this to make money, then you will be incredibly disappointed. If you're going to doing this to meet people and have lovely times and, and have adventures, then yeah, then you'll be very happy. And I'm, I'm very happy with that. I've, I've had a lovely time and hope to continue. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. This has been recorded, I should say, in the week of the News of the World phone hacking scandal, the News of the World going out of business and, and all of that stuff. So today we are getting better acquainted with MJ Hibbert. Uh, hello. Hello. I actually thought a little bit before deciding what to introduce you as onto the show. I decided that I should say probably uh, MJ Hibbert because I'm introducing everybody by what I know them as right. best. Yeah. So if I know them as a short name like Jen or whatever, then they'll be Jen. And you, I strangely know best as MJ Hibbert because I first came to know about you through discovering your work. Yes, my work. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <My> art. <laughs> your art. Uh, online. So the... Next question is going to be quite a strange question, and I'm quite interested to see what your answer is. Where did you first meet me? Well, when I was thinking about this, because I've done some homework, and I think technically I met you on the internet. That's right. I was wondering if you would say that, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I did meet you once walking down Tavistock Square, I think, with Rob Manuel. Well, you were walking down Tavistock Square? Yeah, I think so, yes. And I bumped into you there, I think. Oh, right, okay. I remember that. Uh, and then we did a gig together in Finsbury Park, is that right? Uh, in uh, Tough, yeah, Tough Park. Tough Park, that's it. Tough that's Park. right, because... Yeah. My band at the time were trying to get a night up and running, which didn't work out, called We Hate These Bands. And I really liked what you did. And so I sort of said, come and play. And you said, can't do the band, but I can do a solo mm. slot. Okay. And uh, you came along and you played a really blinding set, I thought. I really enjoyed that set. It was a big room. It was it? a big room yeah. and there wasn't very much of an audience. That's uh, usually the way it goes. <laughs> but but, but it was, I really enjoyed the set. I enjoyed the opportunity to sort of dance along to the songs that I'd, <laughs> I'd loved hearing on your stuff. It's a funny one, this, because I was thinking about this. And, but you're not, you're not exactly a celebrity. No. But you are kind of a celebrity to me. <laughs> because I will talk about you as if people should have heard of you. I'll say, you know, uh, when I'm like listing my influences or whatever, I might say MJ oh, Hibbert. And people are always like, who's MJ Hibbert? So uh, there is a yeah. kind of, there is a... <laughs> well, I always think for me, it's like, I'm like the Liberal Democrats. Yes. Because <laughs> really. if everybody had heard of me was in one place, I would be famous. Yeah. But um, everybody's heard of me is all over, there's people are scattered all over the shop, really. So there's never been a concentrate, a sufficient concentration, sufficient critical mass yeah. to, actually, well, to actually make it a proper thing. Like, like for instance, I, I was thinking, I'm going off to a festival in a couple of weeks called Indie Tracks, which I love going to in Derbyshire. It's a festival that combines indie, proper indie, twee indie pop. They don't like being called twee. No, fair enough. But I think if you don't <laughs> like being called twee, don't be twee. Yeah, It's a very twee indie pop festival, which mixes real ale, steam trains and indie music which are three of my favourite things. And yeah. then I, I sort of bring in, I get to bring in my fourth favourite thing, which is showing off. Because basically, <laughs> it's a festival, most, basically all the people I know from gigs over the years basically go to this festival. And it's where there's the highest concentration of people who, who've heard of me. Not necessarily people who like me or anything like that, but people who've heard of me go there. So that's like, so it's a little taste of 
being marginally famous is that one particular weekend. But uh, and also go, when I go to computing events, then. But apart from that, because of your because of Hey Hey Sixteen K, which was your internet sort of viral yes. video. These days, I'm loudly saying that it was the first viral hit. It may or may not be. I have no idea. But but, but it was. I, viral, I, I, yeah. I think I think if you say it enough times, people start. To yeah. Well, stuff. that's right. That's how history gets written. Exactly. Isn't it? yeah. It's quite funny because in preparation for having you over, I sort of uh, did something that I've never done for any guests, which is tidied my room a little bit. You wouldn't <laughs> believe it. Actually, it still looks quite messy. It's, but I did tidy. There, there is the, the fruit plastic. That's right. Fruit. Is, is I've wonderful, got it. Wonderful. I've wonderful. Fruit. Um, and. Yeah, it's been, it's it's quite a kind of and and you're also one of the few people who qualified to the the on the furthest reaches of my acquaintances. That's what I because oh, right, okay. I, I I want you know everyone from very close people to very distant people, yeah. and you're like kind of in a way the most distant person. Okay. But at the same time, strangely enough, like with all sorts of people that you like, I kind of feel like I know you very well because I heard your songs yeah. and I read your blogs. Yes, and yes. so and actually, I think. When we first met online, was you put a comment on my blog at the time, which I've oh, right, subsequently okay. got rid of. I put a kind of link to The Gay Train, right, which yeah. is another song I like very much by you. And I think I said something slightly critical as well, and you sort of engaged oh, yes, with that. Yes, I think that's yeah, right. Because yeah, yeah. I'm quite, um, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite a fussy person. <laughs> it's it's one of the people I like very much. I still only All like some of nice their songs, song, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a nice Because, yes, because I know quite a few, a few people who are fussy. Yes, that's a lovely way of putting it. I would say pedantic is the other way of doing it. Yeah, okay. Which is, which is nothing wrong with pedantic. I mean, say, um, I, some people who are quite close to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite like that. Fussy is such a nice way of putting it. Yes, and I, I think it's lovely. I, mean, I, do, I do like it when people say, when we people stuff online. Yeah. Because I always find the thing with that stuff is we very rarely get um, anything nasty about our stuff. Yeah. Uh, because why would you? What, what, there's no point. No, that's true. Because it's like, if most people have heard of us, uh, like like the stuff that we do because why would you bother otherwise? Yeah. So we very rarely get anything. So it's, I mean, it's lovely. It's most of we get people saying, "Oh, I really like this." You go like, "Hooray!" I agree. I also like it because um, I do like it. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice when you get something that's like it says, "Oh, I really like this." Except I wondered about this or yeah. I thought this, and it's it's like, well, so it's quite exciting because you then you sort of think, "Oh, I mean, the best bit for me is when people say something. I think I've got an answer for that. Brilliant. Nobody's asked me that question before. I've thought about it on the tube every morning and stuff." So I love it. I do really. I like it when people actually come in and say, "I don't know about this. Or I'm not sure about this. Or have you thought about this? Or what?" I mean, especially when we've done because we're doing the musical, the rock operas that we're doing at the moment. I love it when people come to those and say, "But what about this? Here's a plot point." Especially when it's something I hadn't thought of, and you have to like get engaged. With it. So yeah, so yes, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely thing to do. I'd never had the experience of writing a blog about somebody's music and having them respond to the blog right. you know it was like kind of one of those stepping through the tv moments <laughs> of like hang on what i say on this blog because i google myself mm. and i'm sure everyone googles yes, themselves yes. and i'm sure that a lot of the time uh relatively famous people come across a lot of the things oh, that yes, people say yes, on blogs yes. and that's something maybe people who are writing blogs need to think about um well, well, i heard a lovely know. story actually on um thursday night uh, my friend is involved with the freaky trigger uh, website and, and one of the things on there is every single number one ever a bloke called Tom Union is going through all the number ones and um, he wrote about a number one the band was called the, the Overlanders who had one hit and he said it's lovely because all of the band all of the Overlanders have now been on the comment thread of this so there's a review of this song they've all come on and basically said oh it's so lovely that somebody remembers our song 
And so, so even like 40 years later, oh, wow. they're really quite moved that somebody remembers it and has gone to the trouble of talking about it properly and appreciating it. And so I think it must be lovely. So, I mean, here's me now. I'm, I'm 20 years in on the crazy road of rock and roll. <laughs> and these are people who are like 50 years in. And it still matters to them that people care about it. And they're still happy that people remember them. So, well, the internet allows that kind of thing to happen, of these little kind of moments to be captured and then rediscovered yes, and yes. rediscovered. And I guess you probably find that with some of your videos, with your with yeah. Hey Hey 15K and the Gay Train. I mean, I think when I discovered the Gay Train was probably a good few years after it came out, yeah. I should imagine. The other question, I haven't even done that, the other question I ask everybody is, what do you do now? So what do you do? Oh, uh, for a living? Well, interpret the question as you wish. Um, <laughs> okay, well, for, for a living, I work for Birkbeck College. I'm our database manager. We're doing the national evaluation of Shorestart. Oh, wow. It's funny, really, because it's like, on a day-to-day level, it's like, it's a bit boring. And because we're so, we've been doing it for some time now, there's, and we're coming to the end of the project now. So you don't really think about it. But then every now and again, it's like when we have a whole Guardian supplement all about us. Yeah. Not about me, I hate to, but about the project we're doing. It's, it's, quite, it's quite amazing, really, because it's something I'm actually, in my working life, I'm actually doing something that's quite good, and I'm contributing to something that. Well, as my boss said the other day, it's, we, we had a big leaving day because we lost our field, our field workers finished. And my boss said, well, what you've done has affected the lives of millions and millions of the poorest people in this country. Yes, definitely. And you, and you sort of think, well, that's amazing, really, that to have been part of that. Um, so, yes, that's what I do. But mostly, basically, my working life consists of uh, importing Excel spreadsheets into an access database and cleaning them, really. That's that's most of my working life. So yes, that's what I do for a living. And then in the, as aforementioned, crazy world of rock and roll, um, I have a, a multiple and varied life of lots of different things. Lots of different things. I'm very interested in you as a kind of model for how you can engage in making music and making theatre now you make. Uh, yeah, which I, I guess was probably a surprise and we'll get to that a little bit later. What you are is you're somebody who has a day job yeah. and you independently release your stuff don't you and you're happy with that yeah i think so i mean i'm coming up to i mean yes i should say i mean the reason i i do it this way is basically because there was no other way to do it yes nobody else wanted to release my stuff Mm -hmm. so and so it's very easy to be independent it's very easy to never sell out to the man uh, when the man ever never actually asked you to yeah absolutely so uh but i I think it is a great way of doing it because i can do what the hell i like yeah, really. And I always say to people, you know, you meet people who are young people in bands who are starting out, and you sort of think to them, well, don't base your entire plan of being in a band around signing to a label, because a, it probably isn't going to happen, and if it does happen, it'd be awful. Basically, the best thing to do is get a bloody job. Yeah. Because uh, for for practical reasons, if you have a job, um, you'll have some money, and then you can afford to catch the train. And going to gigs somewhere else, That's which right. is the best bit of doing gigs, is travelling around doing gigs. And you'll be able to afford to do make a CD. You'll be able to afford to do things rather than sitting around pathetically waiting for somebody else to come and do it for you. So practically, getting a job is the much better way. And I, and I only think artistically as well, if I may say such a thing. Yeah. If you if you sit around on your fat arse all day in the house watching television, doing nothing, meeting nobody apart from other people in bands, you you produce crap music. If you have a job and go out and meet other human beings and engage with people. I was, I was saying that word a lot, quite a lot, engaging. A lot, a lot of engaging. It's like being an Ed Miliband, the brain. <laughs> uh, but if you have a job and meet other human beings and have life experiences and meet people who are not exactly the same as you, yeah. then you'll create, well, I don't really want to say it this way, but you'll create better art. You will find other people to relate to. You'll understand other people more. You're better at your job, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my feeling about selling out has always been 
I'm happy to sell out as long as I don't have to make any compromises. So the minute somebody offers me a situation where I get to sell out without yeah. making any compromises, I'm right there. Yeah. So I don't consider that to be selling out so much as just somebody paying me to do what I do. Yeah, exactly. And I'd yeah, love yeah. that. But I mean, I, I, it's the compromise that comes with, 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 with a lot of these things that oh, can yeah. often be a problem. Well, it, it's, sort of, it's funny, isn't it? Because, I mean, as I say, I'm, I'm coming to the end of my job at the moment. So the, by, in, in theory, it's, it's possible that next April I'll be out of, I'll be out of work. Yeah. And as I've recently turned forty, I'm I'm planning to have a midlife crisis. It's always a good idea. I, I think it might be it might be a nice idea. So I might buy a moped. That's part of it. <laughs> uh, but also, I sort of think because I have worked this way for I've I've been, I've been working for him for twenty years now, and I sort of think well, it might be nice to try and make money out of doing the other stuff. Yeah. And but with that comes the idea. I think well, is it selling out? For instance, I tell you that I tell okay. you a story. I tell okay, you a story. Uh, this is the closest I ever came to selling out. Uh, last year. Um, my publisher, um, who's a man called John, who lives in Newcastle, and he's lovely. He got me involved with a campaign for a mobile telephone company who wanted to get somebody to front a campaign they were doing, uh, where they were going to get somebody to form a band using only a mobile telephone. Stupid idea, really, because who the hell would ever do that? You'd do it on the internet, wouldn't you, or in pubs and stuff. But the idea was they wanted somebody to use their text, their unlimited text messaging service to form a band. And they said, oh, we want somebody quite, somebody quite jolly, somebody quite affable. And I thought, well, you know, I can do affable. You are jolly enough. I, I, can, I can do that. I, I had an audition to go and do it. So, and obviously, all through my, I was thinking, well, is this selling out? I thought, well, if somebody pays me and says, here is a job we want you to do, and I create music specifically for that, that is doing a job. I think, like, because we have had things in the past where people wanted to license Hey 16K, which I felt was very dodgy because I thought I created that for love and for joy. And I don't know if I want to sell I think if, if, if something that I've created for joy and then I sell it, then that is selling out. But then I think if somebody comes and asks me to do a job, then I think that's doing a job. You no, know, that's true. That's, it's, it's different. I happily do commissions for exactly, people. That's yes. not the same as, as compromising on my own exactly. art. If we're but then with it. this, then it's like then I'm saying the me, and then it would have been me oh, yeah. saying like, oh, I think this phone company is a good thing. You'd be Iggy Pop. I'd be Iggy Pop. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think Iggy Pop's all right because he's probably got a mass. He's probably got. Probably hey, the, he's done so many good yeah. songs. I can forgive him. For his loft is probably full of cred. He's thought I've got too much cred in my loft. I need some space. <laughs> exactly. I'll get Even rid of it by doing this. Yeah. That's probably what's going. He's He's puncturing the bubble. Yeah, you can't put it all on eBay. Because somebody said to me, it's like, oh, well, you know, everybody will think of you in a different way. And I thought, nobody thinks of me anyway. I mean, <laughs> but you know what I mean? So maybe, maybe there's a couple of hundred people who've heard of me, but most people haven't. But the people who do think of you think of you in that way. Certainly you are a kind of symbol for some people. <laughs> symbol, yes. Oh, well, I think you are. I mean, in that you, for example, crossing over into some things I was going to come to later, but who cares? You did the video for the Say Yes campaign. Um, you you did a, a song called The Fight for History. Oh, yeah. You've nailed your sort of political colours to the mark. What what's nice about your politics is they're not they're not extremist politics. They're very reasonable. No, kind yeah, of, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, which is good. There should be more political songs for reasonable politics. I, I entire God I agree with you about that. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of writing a song about um Exactly that, really. It's one of the exciting things might happen next year is possibly of doing a thing where I'm singing political songs, and I think, well, I've not got that many political songs, and I thought I'd love to write a song where it was about the value of compromise. You know, because I, I say I, I mentioned Liberal Democrats. I, I used to be a member of the Liberals, and much to like being of a certain age, I hate and detest the Tories, and yeah. I'm taking great delight in the current political situation. I do have quite a lot of sympathy for the Liberals, so I think like they're a party who have spoken about the need for compromise, the need for people to work together, and I think they're getting so much shit at the moment. 
bought actually, you know, people saying, oh, they sold at all the principles. I thought, no, being coalition and compromising is one of the main tenets of liberalism. Working with other people, even if you don't like them, that's sort of the whole point. And I think it's a really important thing. But the trouble is, it's not particularly exciting or something you can, at the moment, it's not something that's particularly exciting that people get really het up about. You don't see marches going, oh, we should really like see the other person's side of the argument, or we should really like work together and get, in, in the words of Tommy Steele, half a sixpence is better than no sixpence. Yeah. I think that's sort of, um, and I really want to write a song about that because I think it's such an important thing. I think in our day-to-day lives, we, nobody runs their life, unless you're an arsehole, yeah. You don't run your life like we expect our governments to run the country. But then at the same time, I think it maybe it's a good time for that kind of a song because, in a way, what's happened with the coalition is that that hasn't happened. Yes, exactly. That's yes. what we'd hoped. That yes. I, I voted Liberal Democrat. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I mean, I, I hoped they wouldn't form a coalition with the Tories, but when they were going to form a a coalition with the Tories. I was outside the Liberal Democrat. Um, oh, you were there? Obviously, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I was actually. That's, I was standing next to Billy Bragg, so maybe really? I can get him on the show <laughs> <laughs> on that very tenuous connection. Yeah. But but yeah, and we were arguing for you know make PR yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the 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 deal breaker. Yeah, they didn't. And then I thought, well, maybe something else will happen. But in one of the episodes of this very podcast, my friend who's a future Liberal Democrat MP, he probably right. will be, he argues very eloquently the case for the Liberal Dem- yeah. Democrats. And I'm happy to ha- let him have th- the space of this podcast to do that. Yeah. But that's not my, my, my... When I look at this coalition, I think really what's happened is that people of a similar background have supported each other and yes. really we haven't got something which is about compromise which we mm. should have i'd like to have seen a coalition with the green some of the sdp and you know the ply cymru people yes, like yeah. that and 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 and, and the, the labor party having a much smaller role but you know what can you do you, yeah it's you just well i mean it doesn't work like that does it doesn't it? work like that. i mean i i, I thought at the time because we were on holiday it was brilliant we were on a holiday uh when the, the whole coalition agreement was being hammered out which is and it was raining we were in New York when it was raining so it was brilliant so we just sat because uh, my missus, she, she, she loves this sort of thing as well. So we basically just sat glued to the telly while it was pouring rain. We were just watching what was going on. And, you know, it was like the news this week. Every hour, yeah, something new absolutely. would have happened. But yeah, but I mean, I, I sort of, I, I, in a way, I was sort of pleased. I don't know, it's this, it's this English thing, I think, of how, how much you want to fight it, deference does come in. It's like whenever, because we, we, we went to the, uh, down the mall for the royal wedding. Mm. And you sort of think, oh, the royal family's a bad thing. The royal family's a terrible thing. We should not have a royal family. And then when you're presented with a royal family in front of you, I found myself standing up straighter and salute. You know, you think, must resist the urge to salute. And I find it so ingrained yeah. in, like, being... Because I'm one of the most... Wonderfully, it turns out most people I know, you know, say, oh, I'm English. And most people I know are English. If you go back, like, two generations, then it all falls apart. Yeah. But, like, because I'm from the Fens... Right. Um... I'm so massively inbred that, you know, I, I've got a direct route, route back to Boudicca. So I think for me, it's just like, I go, oh God, I appear to be saluting Prince William. And I know it's wrong, I, but... And I, I, and so, yes, I, why the hell am I telling you that? Because um, when David Cameron comes on television, he's sort of there with somebody who has been trained from birth. To be our leader. To be our leader. Yeah. And you sort of think, and in many ways, it does sort of work. And, he, and I, and I, the way I feel about it, and I think to make an excuse for the Liberal Democrats, I think maybe this is something that they thought about it, that they sort of went in believing when the, when people like David Cameron say, come on and say, actually, we want to work for the betterment of the country, actually, we're quite nice. 
I honestly think they went in believing that, which and which has turned out obviously to be a stupid thing because they're a bunch of shits. Hmm. But I honestly think that every time I guess did go in, I should pay credit here because Charlotte, my girlfriend, she said this and she always gets upset with me when I take her ideas. As my... When the when the Liberal Democrats said we think we should do this for the good of the country, we think it's in everybody's best interest. I think they actually believed it, and I think that's why they've been completely turned over by the Tories, yeah. who obviously were snooping behind the eyes, going, "Oh yeah," and that. Uh, but uh, but hopefully, I mean, this week we've seen Ed Miliband grow a pair of balls and actually, you know, it's when Ed Miliband comes on and says, Rebecca Brooks should go. I'm astounded because I've loathed that man. I think he's a complete spineless, new Labour greasy tosser. Mm, me too. And then he comes on television and you think, like, you actually appear to be doing your job. And... Yeah. I mean, it's a one moment. We'll see how we'll see that. How... So you've got a day job yeah. and you make music. Yeah. And... You seem to get happiness from that. Yes. Um, and a lot of people who have day jobs and make music, like, for example, myself, some of the time, although at the moment I think I'm in a kind of very MJ Hibbert kind of frame of mind, but often <laughs> I get very frustrated that I'm not successful. Yes. And I'm not number one, I'm not, people don't know me much less even than you, but then I'm earlier on in my career, I guess, than you. So hopefully by the time. By the time I'm, I'm well, by the time I'm having my midlife crisis, I'll be I'll be able to say I've had some viral video hits, oh, yeah, yeah. and that would be brilliant. That would really be brilliant. I mean, the amount of hits that you've had, for example, on your on your most big, you know, the YouTube videos, yeah. uh, that's great. That's all I really want. I don't really want the money. I just want the the exposure, the the audience. I want some people to hear what I'm saying and engage yeah. with it. Well, I think that's. It's, I long ago, long ago, gave up on the idea of becoming internationally. Uh, international things, and I, 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 it's sort of, it's sort of a soppy cliche, but I, I think the, the the loveliest thing about doing this, especially for the ones I'm doing it and the way I'm doing it, is because I do have, I, I have friends all over the country, and indeed all over the world now. So I can go to uh, Leicester or Sheffield or Derby or Glasgow or Edinburgh or Dresden uh, <laughs> or any of these places, and go. Well, I know people. I know I've met so many genuinely lovely people doing this, and I've got so many friends all, all over. Well, yeah, all over the world, really, and it's just bloody, it's lovely. I mean, I've never, I've never, ever made any money out of doing any of this. I mean, somebody's always, somebody said to me a while ago that if Hey A16K had come out four years later, when it was available for download on, on iTunes, I, I would have made quite a lot of money out of that, and um, <laughs> it would have been nice, really. But you sort of think, but that's not, that's not the reason for it. If you, I think if you're going to this to make money, then you will be incredibly disappointed. If you're going to doing this to meet people, and have lovely times and, and have adventures, then yeah, then you'll be very happy. And I'm, I'm very happy with that. I've, I've had a lovely time and hope to continue. See, it's such a nice thing to hear somebody say that, really, from and, and, and not wanting to, to sort of insult you, but it's so nice to hear someone in their, like, at 40 yeah. saying, I've had a happy time not being successful. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Uh, great, I think, is what you say in your blogs. Uh, G-R-A-T-E, Caps, well, and I like that. Well, the irony of all this... very positive. The really funny thing about this is, like, uh, 15 years ago, we formed a record label called Artists Against Success. <laughs> we called our label Artists Against Success, and it was based on a joke, because I used to drink in a pub in Leicester, which isn't there anymore, um, that, and All The Walls, which is a brilliant pub, but it, they had um, Artists Against all sorts of different things. Okay. So we called us, um, but all the people doing it were very... Um, professional competent rocking and tight and really wanted to be very, very serious so we called out uh, Evenings Artists Against Success to annoy them and it worked and then we called our record, called our record label Artists Against Success for the same reason and it also worked they're going how can you be against success 
And we said then, to, to rationalise at the time, I said, we're against the success in which you measure in selling your soul to a corporation, uh, the success that involves pissing off your friends, the success that involves you know, just being really stern and tight arsed and a, a wanker about things. Yeah. And in discussions of the film, we said, well, the success we want is success that is the, the success I've just spoken of. So, yeah, I haven't been successful uh, monetarily. No. Um, but in terms of having a bloody lovely time, you know, I've, I've been incredibly successful. Well, it's been wonderful. That's such an interesting definition. And I think that's where I've come to in my own personal life. That's what I'm kind of looking at in terms of my future. I'm thinking, well, what's success to me is happiness, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I can have happiness by making the stuff I like to do, yeah. then that's great. And, and and in fact, this project that, you know, this, this podcast project has been a, a kind of revelation to me of like how, how I can I can actually do this thing in a different way yeah. and I mean what I love about this is I just get to have really interesting conversations with people <laughs> yeah. and it's got some kind of artistic uh, value as well. Yeah. While I'm saying that actually something I noticed earlier on is you were slightly reluctant to use the word art to yeah. describe your art. I, I feel that too, I have that too but do you think it is art? I mean ultimately if you have to be pinned down to it. You... Oh yes definitely. But I mean I think the problem is sometimes I think the reason that a lot of us are are reluctant to, to use the word art in public because I'll happily use it with my friends who are also artists but when I'm talking in public I, I'm, I'm, I'm loath to use it it's because I think it alienates people when you start talking about oh, art okay. I mean do you think that or have you got another reason for that kind of reluctance um I don't know actually I've not thought of it like that I, I, I hesitate to say art because it sounds sort of quite pompous yeah. saying and I think the reason I hesitate to say that is because it is a word like like poet, for instance, yes, is yes. another one that is used by people who are not producing art and are not poets, but who wish to self-aggrandise themselves. Uh-huh, so yeah. I, I think some people say this is art. You sort of think if something is art, you don't need to say it is. No, because it will be appreciated. Um, my 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 brother uh, is a technically a capital A artist. Right. Uh, he he went to art school and went to this sort of thing, and. Um, I mean, I love him, and I think he, I think he, he does some great stuff. And through him, I have seen amazing stuff yeah. in the world of art that, despite coming from the world of art, is still art. Yeah, that's the thing. There is good stuff within that pretentious yes, exactly. bubble, definitely. Yes, exactly. But I mean, I, I think, oh dear, you've got to get all my theories today. This is how. My theory of, of, of all art is that nobody has any idea where it comes from. There is no way you can. Art can come from anywhere and does come from anywhere. Uh, in, in music, um, I think. Great pop music, fantastic pop music, comes from pop bands despite them being manufactured pop bands. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, think, I think a lot of people get say, like, "Oh, manufactured pop is brilliant." Lots of people say manufactured pop is crap for the same reasons people say manufactured pop is awful. Yeah. I think bands like the great um, pop bands like yeah, who will take that, who I absolutely love. Yeah. I, I love take that, and I don't think they were great despite the fact they came from manufactured background, not because of it. I also think uh, the great indie bands like uh, like the Smiths or you know, the June Brides, these sort of people, they're great despite the fact that they came from uh, insipid scenes of tweeness. I don't think where the art comes from causes it. I think these things come despite the fact they come from these bangers. And I think, my, I think a lot of people who are in this sort of scene mistake the scene. Uh, the, the scene is a symptom of the art you're creating, it's not the cause of what's been created. It's a symptom of it. That, and you wrote a song about that, in fact, the lesson of the Smiths. Oh yes, where yes, you, where yeah. in fact, those two exact examples uh, take that and the, and oh, yeah. the Smiths. Oh yeah, that's are, true. Are, are <laughs> what that song's about, and that's one of your songs I really like um, because it, it, it is true oh, that, that, that 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 the 
what that song does is it expresses a a feeling that I have had growing up where you despise a band because of the fans. Yes. Um, and then you realise that actually the band's, the band's better, you know, you would, you would, and, and I'd say where I felt that is on the other side of it. I'm a big fan of Bell and Sebastian. I knew you were going to say that. I was just thinking the other examples, but yes, exactly. Yeah, I exactly. love Bell and Sebastian, but I had a, fr- a, a conversation with two friends on a, a, a on a, train journey where they spent the entire time telling me that, that you know there's nothing of value in in and Sebastian because they didn't like their fans yeah. they started describing the fans and yeah, I'm like well exactly. describe the music describe yeah. the music well the thing with Ben and Sebastian was so there allow me to I was at some of their very early because I, I mean Ben and Sebastian completely changed my life yeah. absolutely they changed mine a bit. yeah because they came along two bands Ben and Sebastian and Bank of Valor during 2000 uh, changed my life because I was in bands in my mid 20s 300 million years ago and um, I was just, and I just knew loads of people in bands who were rubbish, terrible bands. And Bell and Sebastian come from a type of music. Um, I know a lot. I think a lot of my friends don't listen to this because they would disagree with me. But terrible, terrible, terrible bands who make that sort of music. I think the and, and Bell and Sebastian came along and actually did that sort of thing right. Yeah. And it's like, oh god, all this stuff that these, you know, terribly quaffered wankers were trying to do. Here is this beautiful, amazing, gentle music. So full of life and humour, great lyrics, and exciting, well. amazing lyrics, and we went up to, but, but so I'd heard about Sebastian just after um, if you think Sinister had come out, and one of my friends said, "Oh, the complaint, we're going to go and see them in Glasgow," and there was a band called not the Silver Apples, Very Apples and Stereo, Apples and Stereo, yeah. uh, were playing. And I said, "Oh, I quite like them. I'd heard them on the radio." So off we went. We went to see them. We did spend all day drinking in Glasgow, so I was quite drunk. But we saw um, Ben and Sebastian play at the QMU in Glasgow, and it just blew my mind because it was so they were so amazing. Which is weird because having seen them several times since, that over the next few years, I thought like, they were crap, life terrible. That's interesting because the best one of the best gigs I've ever seen though was Ben and Sebastian in Preston. Right. Oh. 2000 or something so right, they obviously yeah, yeah, have yeah. their good gigs yeah yeah but then around that time it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, yeah that, but that's I, the I, way I, it can go where you see a band and they're brilliant and then the next time you see them they're not as good and, yeah, and that's yeah. always the time you brought all the people that exactly, you told they were exactly. brilliant yeah, live yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah so we saw them and I just came back and it was amazing because there was quite a lot of us went and we came back and we all filmed bands and th- three of us formed record labels. I formed my record label after seeing Bell and Sebastian. My friend Nigel formed a record label called Pickled Egg as well around that time. All these were suddenly like last, there was a massive, we all went out and formed bands. As a, It's like one of those, you know. Like the Sex Pistols. Exactly, like Sex Pistols, yeah, yeah. exactly. And it just blew my mind. It was incredible. You just don't think, you know, you're sort of losing hope and you see this man go, you can do this. It is possible. And I, I think that Bell and Sebastian don't get the credit they deserve for that because they, they had such a massive effect on so many people. Mm. But because they were one of the first people to do it on the internet because it was like mailing, internet mailing lists. Well, it wasn't even the internet then. It was just email, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so much of their stuff spread through the email and it bypassed things like the enemy and the melody maker which hilariously now were so important back then. But they took against Bell and Sebastian because it was happening to quote Huggy, you know, this was happening without their permission. Yeah. And I think that's why they've been sort of denied their place in rock history because so many, ba- so many bands or so many scenes that are still right now formed because yeah. of Bell and Sebastian. Um, yeah, and it, so... I mean, they said this, this is it. Yes, yeah, so Bell and Sebastian. I can see why people now will go... I mean, I don't really like... I don't really enjoy their records. I, I, the last record that came out was the first record that I didn't buy because it's 
Oh, I liked their last record. I didn't like the one before that, and I didn't like it. Like they've they had they've had a bleak period, but yeah. maybe 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 we differ. I mean, like I say, I'm fussy, but we're probably fussy in different ways. Yes. <laughs> That's always the way. I was going to ask you a few of the stories behind your songs, the oh, kind of VH1 style, and we kind of covered <laughs> the lesson of the Smith. Is the gay train based on a true story? Oh God, yes. Because it sounds like it's literally a story. It is, I mean, a, it is a story. story. Yes, that, so, is a, that is exactly what happened. I went down to see my friend who lived in Ballam, and he said, "Well, let's go." down to Clapham to see the Gay Pride Festival yeah. there uh, and we, we did uh, go down and we did get up the tube train on the Northern Line and it was it's exactly the song this is that's just what happened already down we got on the train it was massively full of people going to Gay Pride it was hilarious it was beautiful it, it was quite funny that there was a little group we were set with a group of um, quite stern lesbians who were very annoyed about the fact there was some massively gay homosexual men who were whooping it up so yes, there was there's this one little group going. This is a serious event, which has a serious message. <laughs> uh, and then some tourists looking completely perplexed. And then like the male voice choir, really whooping it up and yeah. being screaming. And yes, and we went around. And there were loads of. It, it was it was quite sweet really because there's lots of these guy, guys who would obviously like I'll come out in my Sunday best, transvestite get up. But because there were so many of them, nobody was paying them any attention. So it was, it was quite funny. There were lots of these pissed blokes going like. I'm demanding attention for God's sake! Look at me! Like, I'm a transvestite, and like, I'm, yeah. So he's nearly everybody else, though, mate. Yeah, yeah. You're not so special it's, here. It's not really, yeah. So it's quite funny, really, because it's like people coming out. Like, Here's my special day. But I think the flip side of it was like, well, you're you're very average here. So that was, which unfortunately was something they didn't really make it into the song that. But yeah, so that was quite amusing, really, to see people sort of think, well, really, it's the. Um, Sorry, I'm just going to pour some coffee, which will come. Oh, on. Bit, I don't want like, it to be over the top of the, you speaking because like, it was like I don't know. It's like a bit of the arches, isn't it? Like? It is, but um, it's a funny thing what you're saying about that song though, because um, I think that song is it does kind of contain um, that without that not that's not explicitly in the lyrics, but I think that's kind of certainly you get that feeling from the song of like the narrator who is you at the beginning is very much uh, this is all a bit silly. And then it, that sort of is punctured and you have these kind of more personal kind of human moments, which is a bit like what you're saying about the Smiths and yeah. take that. It, it, it's you're seeing through the scene to the message behind it. And it has this very poignant moment, I think, where everybody's let, yes. letting go of balloons, which, which represents exactly someone who died of AIDS. Some, yeah, which, which, which always weird doing that at gigs. Because it get because the song right was like because I, I mean God I worried about that song when I wrote that song I really worried I thought are people going to take this the right way yeah you sort of think you don't want to look homophobic exactly yeah and you don't want to look like you, you don't you don't look homophobic but, uh, but you don't want to look the other way but well the, the, well, <laughs> I don't mind that. It, but, no, no, no I mean there's a song by Chumbawamba called Homophobia where they're like singing against homophobia and that looks too po faced you know what I mean yeah. that goes the other way so you you had to strike a really good balance between looking like you're being possibly homophobic or you're possibly going, don't be homophobic, don't be homophobic well, exactly. and hitting people well, over the head. Fair, I mean, the actual, the first verse song is, in a, in a literal sense, homophobic because mm. I was scared because I was surrounded by lots of gay people. And it's one of these things where you sort of come out, uh, this is not my usual situation. Yeah. It was frightening because it's something like, here is a social situation, and this was my, my real feeling at the time, it's like, here's a social situation that I'm not used to being in. It was frightening and that sort of the, I was, and I, I was worried about song. I, thought, I don't want people to think, Oh, you're having a real go, and uh, uh, but I think the nice thing is, and oh god, it's like a Walt Disney moment, really. Yeah, definitely. But here we go. Let's go through. I think if you're true to yourself, 
then it doesn't matter. And I think it comes out because I think with that song, because that is a, th- th- there are other songs I've written that I have worried about. There's a song called um, The Peace for All Saints Why Game Team Group B, uh, which I do nearly every gig I do when I'm doing my own stuff, which is a, a completely true story about when I was in the Cubs. And when I wrote it, I thought, nobody's ever going to care about this. It's just a story about me being in the Cubs. But, and it is just a completely literal story. But it's one of these, it's one of the, the songs that I have where like it's so lovely to do because you do it and people always get it and I sort of think it's it's weird that you can do a song where you basically just write down a list of things that happened as they happened and if it's something that you actually care about that matter to you then it will turn out that people, other people are turning out yeah. to and luckily with the gay train which I worried about so much it, and it's never really caused me any trouble at all which is well, I think it, it. I mean, the only thing, the only. I mean, I play it to lots of people because I like it a oh, lot. And uh, the only, the only sort of some uh, some people say the only the, the only criticism I've had of heard of it is people saying, um, "Well, so what? Uh, people are gay, aren't they? What, 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 what's the big epiphany moment?" And I'm like, "Well, but it is." And then, and then I kind of try and go through. Well, you're surrounded by lots of people who are different yeah. from you, and how might that feel? And wouldn't you feel alienated? And and you know, and that, but but and and I I identify with with that 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 sort of moment very much. In fact, when I heard that song, I was reminded of the experience of going on the anti-war uh, demos, oh. um, where um, when I went to them from Lancaster, where I was living at the time in the bus, um, I was like, oh god, I hate all of these people. You know, <laughs> oh god, they're all going to be you know militant left-wing nonsense, yeah. and and you know, I'm I'm a little bit militant left-ish nonsense but i don't don't like other people like that no. and and yeah. when I, when i got in the big group suddenly i was like it's cancelled out somehow yeah yeah and there was a kind of it, there was that moment like all the balloons being let off where you're like everybody here no matter of their pretensions is here together to say no we don't want this war didn't work but no. it was a really <laughs> nice moment yeah, exactly, you know yeah. And that's one of the things when I heard the gay train that I kind of I kind of went sideways with and thought that's that that it, I think it's a bigger song than just uh, the story because I think that's why it's a good song because the the story is a kind of metaphor as well as a, a great story I think um, so yeah it must be weird having somebody say this to you I I, I always I, it's never happened to me that somebody's uh, <laughs> gone on about my songs like this well, so uh I, I also know the difficult thing about when pete i, I find the difficult thing is because to be brutally honest i think all my songs are brilliant well yeah <laughs> you know, as you should yeah yeah but i mean it's i mean i, I always find it weird but you know it it's it's yeah i, I find it's difficult to be honest about it because i think i know when you see people on television oh no 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 and i, I always think it's, it's hard really because i think if somebody says to me nice about one of your songs Whenever I've met people and said something nice about their songs, and they go, "Oh no, 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 that's shit," and then I always think, like, "Well, I feel a bit of a dickhead now because I said your song's good, and you've just said I'm an idiot to think so." Yeah. And you sort of think most people so I and no, my my answers always, "Oh well, I like it." Yeah, exactly. And and, and and then sometimes that you do get a weird reaction from them when you say, "Oh, I, oh yeah, I really like that," and then they they sort of like then because they, they're expecting you to say, "Oh no, 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 no." Uh, yeah, you can get a weird reaction that way. But I think, I mean, do you always, do you still like all of your songs? Or do you go off some songs sometimes? So I mean, there's two or three. I mean, I've written a lot of songs. Yeah. And, you know, they're all, they're all my children. And I, there's, there's, some of them that I've, there's some of them that I really like. There's some of them that I think, some of my songs I just play them, I think, 
There's some of the songs that I, I like that I think are brilliant that nobody else does. I go, oh, this is great, this. And people go, oh, we spoiled this one. But yeah, there's a, there's a few that I've I've gone off. There's one in particular um, that um, called City Centres that was one of our B-sides that was about, that I wrote about the fact, I, I read a lot of Sunday papers that said, oh, all of our city centres are exactly the same, which I entirely disagree with. I think that's an idiotic thing to say. And all, all, but all the other people say, oh, all our city centres are the same because they've all got a Starbucks and a Boots. And I think, well, if all you think constitutes a city centre is the chains of shops that are in it, then A, you're probably right, and B, you're an idiot. <laughs> because Peterborough City Centre has the same shops in it as Sheffield City Centre, Sheffield City Centre is nothing like Peterborough City Centre. Sheffield isn't like Peterborough. They're completely different things. And I think it says more about the person who says that. It's an easy thing to say, because everybody goes, oh, yeah, they have got all the same shops, but so bloody what? You know, so what? Who cares? That, that, you know, the people who work in the shops are different. The people who go in the shops are different. The buildings that the shops are housed in are different. The thing is, everything is different. But it's just one of these really, really easy things that you can trot out for an article. Well, I think the problem is, as well, it's one of those things that, is half the truth and so there is a truth that we are losing the identities of our city centres by all of these shops always being the same it is true that wherever you go you can go to the same shops you can go to Starbucks anywhere you go but you're absolutely right that there is also every like I mean I went back to Cardiff as part of this project to interview people from my past and Cardiff is so different Yes. Uh, to London. It doesn't matter that there's the same shops there. I mean, it's different from when I was there as well. It's different yeah. from 10 years ago, but it but it, it is different. And city centres yeah, do have an identity. Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, there, is, right. there, I mean, there, is, right. there is a truth to it. And you sort of think, I mean, to be honest, and people say, oh, we're losing all the little shops. And I sort of think, yeah, but, you know, whenever I go to a different city and I see I see a Starbucks, I think, well, I don't want to. And, you know, if you travel around the world, you go like, well, I know I'm getting a Starbucks. I, I I I feel exactly the same. Even though I feel a bit guilty about feeling yes, that, exactly. I, you do, yeah, I do exactly. feel the same. Yeah, you do feel the same. And it's like you sort of think because people are people are we're creatures of comfort, aren't we? Exactly. And if you know exactly. what something is, then you don't have to make a, ch- a, a take a chance, do you? And that's exactly. A, and you sort of when people say, oh, oh, you know, the high streets are losing out to Tesco's, and you sort of think, well, you know, don't get to Tesco's then. Except we all are, I'm going to Tesco's after this. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like yeah. it's easy. It's, it's so, but yes. Yeah, so, but, but with that, so I wrote the song, and the trouble with that song was obviously all the feedback I got from that song was people saying, "Oh yeah, I agree with you. All the city centres are the same." And you're like, "No, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. That's the opposite." Of, so, and the song sort of did sort of fail really because I was putting the arguments that people say about this, and then it, then you know the first one was saying people say this, but this isn't true. But unfortunately, everybody listened to the first verse, and then the chorus was insufficiently against it. Clear, okay. So it, it failed in that way, and but then it's just not a very good song. It's just boring. And then we, but it had really good drums in it. it had really good <laughs> drums in it. So Tim, the drummer, loves it, and every time, and he does it now just to wind me up. But for years, he's going, "Let's do City Centre." It's like, oh, it's such a boring song. It's you know, it doesn't really work. And so we had years of set lists. So. And then we play, and I'll be playing, going, oh god, this song's so boring. I hate this song; it's rubbish. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I, and so that's one that I've gone off. Do you find that? I mean, what I tend to go off, I don't, I, 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 I rarely go off my songs after I was about twenty-two. I think huh. before that, I have gone off the lyrics, oh, uh, okay. as you yeah, can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure you have the same with your teenage lyrics. Um, yes. Yes. I, I often think it would be a really interesting thing to get all of the biggest uh, names in rock 
and get them to read out their teenage lyrics, like, <laughs> as a show. Uh, hearing all of the, you know, the brilliant, like Dylan, I bet he didn't write the best, like, well, stuff. Was, maybe he did, though, because he's so good. I, I think with a, lot, with a lot of the really famous people, it's sort of like, you know, George Harrison wasn't even 30 when the Beatles blew up. No, a, that's a lot, true. A lot of these yeah, people, that's a, really a lot, true. A lot of the really big names had their big hits with their teenage lyrics. Twelve-year-old lyrics. Yeah, yeah. The, the oh, lyrics before yeah, they yeah, get yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. you're you're right. Uh, rock and roll is a young man's game. It's a, it, it, that's the un- well. You're you're the uh, example of that not being that. But then you are taking a different route. I mean, I find as I'm, I'm approaching thirty yeah. this year, so I'm oh, I've got a different crisis. But it's you know it's a, it's the ten year before your one. Um, and I guess 30s when everybody is looking back at their lives and going, have I achieved what I wanted? Do I need to make some decisions about the future? So I've got a lot of musician friends who are looking to find other ways of getting their art out rather than knocking their head against the brick wall of gigging, you know, whereas you haven't done that. I mean, I was saying, doing, like we say, we're doing the shows at the moment. So, yeah. so that is part of... Um, a, a, and you're doing podcasting as well. I'm doing podcasting, yeah, yeah and trying to do because uh, I'm hoping next year to do a bit of writing. Because then, if you if you write something, other somebody else can go and do it. Uh, because I, I found over the past five years, because uh, I, I don't think rock and roll is a young man's game. I, I think gigging relentlessly is a young man's yeah, game. Yeah, that's right. Because like I, I I've been doing 60, 70 gigs a year for the past few years. No, you. I mean, you're amazing like that. I mean, I've never I'm, come I'm close to that. that. Yeah. And having a full time job at the same time, having to get up in the morning, yeah. that is knackering, and it does get worse. When you when you when you're in your mid twenties and you can do gigs and then go clubbing and then get up in the morning, you can't bloody do that anymore. That's just knackering. So I'd like, but I think the art, the world of music is. I, I certainly found when I turned thirty and loads of people I knew in gig, who were doing gigs, people stop. Yeah. And you do find in most music scenes, there comes a point where people stop doing it, and most people stop. And the people who are left are the people who really want to do it. Yeah. And the nice thing is that it's most, for the most part, it's the lovely people who continue doing it and the people who are doing it for what I would consider the right reasons. So people that are going, you know, I think the best reason to be in a band is to meet girls. That's the reason that we all get into it. That's the reason that most people do it. And work for me. You know, I met I met my girlfriend. We're coming up for our tenth anniversary of doing it, which was around our thing. And you sort of think, you know, you 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 do meet girls, you meet other people. If that's all you want to do, then really, if you've done that, then you don't need to do it anymore. And then the other good reason to do it is to what I was talking about before is then to make friends, have fun, and have adventures. And if that's what you and then then if you think, okay, well, you know, I've got this bit. I'm enjoy. I'm now doing this. Then you can continue doing. If you think I want to do this to become famous, yeah, to make loads of money, then you give up. Then you give up. Yeah, and you think good, or you become successful. But but no, it very rarely happens. But there are that there are a few that do it yeah, who exactly. have that 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 ambition, uh, and it does does work for them. I think there is another there is another reason why people make art though that and carry on doing it, and and that's because they can't not make art. That's kind of how I've always felt. Yeah, I've not. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I admire about you is how happy and positive you are about it. I aspire to that. It's not always. I don't ma- manage to always be as positive about things, and I have, you know, very great lows about not, you no, know, not getting the work oh, as yeah, good as. Course, and I'm yes. sure, I'm sure you do. Yes. I'm sure everybody does. Yeah. But uh, but but I find that I can't give it up. No. It's not so when I've tried to give it up, 
it's just not. I've occasionally tried to give it up. I'm not very good for a long, long periods no. of time. Uh, my, my girlfriend, she's a writer, and she once tried to give up. She got got really depressed because she wasn't writing. Yeah. She wrote a description of why she was giving up writing, and in the middle of writing this thing about giving up writing, she suddenly realised I'm writing about how I'm going to give up writing. Yeah. I can't give it up yeah. because I'm actually doing it now and actually looking back at this, this is quite well written. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, so, and, that, and, and that's the that's thing that, that, that sometimes when you, when you, you know, it's just something that you have. Yes. And I think that the good thing is what you kind of teach me is that, that there is a way of just embracing the fact that you can't not, not do it yeah. and not getting annoyed that it doesn't get too, too, too big, yes, you know, yes, just go, yes, well, yes. you know, as long as and 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 also the internet is changing it. Yes. Like that that now through podcasting, like that's that's opened up my uh, mind to the possibilities because one of the things that we didn't touch on, which I meant to touch on when we're talking about being independent, is how expensive it is. Yeah. So you, like you say, got a day job so you can make enough money to fund your independent rock career. Yes. And I haven't got that much money. I haven't had that much money for a while. When I got my CDs made, that that kind of wiped me out, and I was actually quite yeah. ripped off as well because it was a cheap operation. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I was thinking, oh well, all I can do is self-publish. Self-publishing is very expensive, and it feels a bit egotistical because mm. you're putting money in, and you probably won't get any returns. Like um, you, I read on my band T-shirt about your Hey Hey Sixteen K T-shirts. Would you want to t- tell that briefly, that that, that story? Uh, well, yeah. Well, um, we got uh, invited to go and play a computer conference. And uh, the people running it said, uh, we can't pay you. I don't think they, they didn't pay. I don't think they, pay. they may have paid us. If, I, if, I, if they did pay us, I'm saying they haven't. I do apologise. Uh, but they said, well, won't you, you know, you'd be able to sell some merchandise. So, you know, bring your, t- bring your CDs and T-shirts. And they sort of assumed we'd have T-shirts, uh, which we didn't. But we then we did make some. And it was incredible. Uh, because we got the highest kind of t-shirts and we just people just bought them people we flogged them it was amazing and um yeah it, it was just it was incredible it was like being in a proper famous band that we had merchandising and people wanted it it was yeah. incredible unfortunately we did get a bit excited and uh, we did go down the route of merchandising at, to the point where we did t- tour t-shirts for a week long tour we were doing uh, and i had boxes these bloody t-shirts yeah. in my house for years afterwards uh, but it was very exciting yes we did we did do t-shirts we, if, if it's, uh, i think the thing with that sort of thing is with hey season k it was something that there was a, a subset of people who actually quite liked that yeah. it was about 100 people globally it turned out who wanted them uh and it was great so we made the thing and as you say the, the joyous thing about the internet is we could link to those people they could come and get it and it and Yes, and, it was and the interesting thing about that is that you 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 made too many T-shirts for what you were going to yeah. sell. I've made my old band made too many CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always end up with these parts of stuff. Um, but but now there is print on demand. Yeah. So actually now there is new things like where people are making T-shirts and it's yeah, yeah. they only make the T-shirt if you buy the T-shirt. Exactly. Now that makes independent releasing so much easier. It doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but 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 podcasting has has, has gone like because. I don't just make music. I write plays and I write uh, fiction and I, and, I, and I do all that sort of stuff. And that is a real brick wall. You can do a gig with music, but you can't do a kind of self-produced 
book really and get that no. you can, there, there are sites you can self-publish on Lulu but you can't get that out to people whereas podcasting this suddenly there is no wall between artist yeah. and audience and as this gets more this sort of thing is a few years behind um, music we've had a recent excursion into the, into the world of comedy yeah just lately which has been a, it's been a really it's been amazing really just to go into that sort of thing and find out the way that's different from music because with comedy it's like because we've written a few scripts, so we've done the shows. And I've, right, I've written a few scripts for other things. So your first one was My Exciting Night, uh, my exciting Life in Rock. In Rock. Yeah. And then that was a one-man show. That was one-man show, which was basically my story, my hilarious stories from the world of rock. Yeah. Uh, with songs. Uh, with some Illustrated by some of the songs. Yeah. Like I said. And that, which was great, which didn't take any writing at all, because I just thought, well, my friend Steve, who I went to Edinburgh with, he said, just do the best stories and do the best songs. And that's what we did. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it didn't take any learning because it was all songs I've told in the pub over the years anyway. Yeah. Um, but then, then the next year, I did Dinosaur Planet, which was much more involved. Wasn't which, it? Well, that that wasn't quite so much because that was the first year we did it. Uh, I went to see somebody doing uh, a one-man version of War of the Worlds, and what I wanted to see was somebody sort of telling the story and doing the songs, which wasn't what the bloke did. So I thought well, that's what. So, so that's what I did. So I basically told a story. And did songs in between it, and then we turned it into. So there's then the second evening we turned it into a full rock opera with loads of characters in it, and then we've, we've recorded that as an album, which is coming out next year. Yeah, that's. Uh, I want to compose that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wait until you hear it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, and then, but but then I really enjoyed that, and I used to that sort of thing when I was a teenager. So then we've written Moon Horse, which is the next thing. Uh, and you're taking that to Edinburgh this year. Yes, that's going to be the, the first two weeks in the festival. We're doing that. On the free fringe, uh, which we're we're working, we're we're we're, uh, we're doing our preview shows at the moment for that. Well, I'll probably put this out in the week before that, just oh, so really? to, to help that sort of. August sixth to twentieth, five pm, Buffs Club. Do come along. It's free. Brilliant. Oh, free. Well, it's, it's the free. Well, it's the free fringe. So ah, free. right. That's the first two weeks. Yeah, six six to the twentieth of August. We're doing that. And are you doing it every day? Every day, yeah. Oh, I'm going to be in Edinburgh some oh, time, yeah. so well, I'm going to yeah, come along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come Fantastic. Yeah. But it's great. I mean, but it, so, but we're doing that. It's um, we sort of I've sort of dipped my toes a little bit in the world of comedy, which is it's weird because um, I say doing so. This is going to be our fourth year then the fringe, and it was amazing, especially the first year you go and realise that actually the world of music is actually quite lovable and delightful, and because comedy is so focused on careers, because most mm. of the comedians you meet, I mean, a lot of the, most a lot of them are really nice as well, but they're they're not as confident as people in bands. They're a lot more sort of a bit. But it's all them. That's why because it's, it's all them, it's just them on their the own. Stand up is yeah. the it's them. But it's so There's no band. But it's so career focused. I mean, the comedians are just they're they're all. I don't not, not to be mean to them, but it's like you know when you meet people at the Battle of the Bands competitions. Yes. Or local bands or those sort of bands. It's like, soul destroying Battle of the Bands. We I did it yeah. once and it was just oh I wouldn't do it again. No, I wouldn't do it again. But I think it's something that every band should do. <clears throat> yes, that's because, very true. Because it's it comes to says, if you want to go and be competitive and try and make a career in the rock industry, this is a sort of thing. This is, I mean, this sort of thing. Nobody. The, I think the only band, the only, the only Battle of the Bands band who ever went on to anything is the Stereophonics, who are the archetypal Battle of the Bands winners. <sighs> Awful, but they win Battle of the Bands. So I was in Cardiff when they were big, so oh, I, right, I had them God. so overplayed. 
Good Lord. <laughs> but that sort of band, if you want, but, and it's good. Well, I've got, I mean, I've got some about everything that I think, but I've got some about this, we'll let the weird band win, which is about. I like that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah so if you That's one of the ones I like, definitely. But it's, it's that sort of thing where if, if back to the band's competitions, if you are unusual or fun, or doing it for laughs, you're never gonna succeed in that way. I, I mean, I'm, but with comedians, everything is focused. You know, if, if comedians enter a comedy competition, then good comedians, really, really weirdo comedians don't. But good comedians do win those sort of things, and comedy is focused on that. And it is a lot. There is sort of a career trajectory, and I, I've, I've sort of found that the um, the exchange rate uh, between indie rock and comedians. Is brilliant. If anybody who's in a band wants to change their cred points from indie to comedy, actually exchange rate is quite good in your favour. And so I, 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 the cred that you get from being an indie band is actually bizarrely seems to work quite well in your favour if you go into the because I do comedy gigs. Because I guess in terms of music, people might look at what you do and say you're a novelty act. No yeah, offence. Yeah, 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 exactly. But 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 in in comedy, they say he's a musical comedian. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? That, that, that's, I guess that's why the exchange rate is good, because people are dismissive of humour in yeah. music, yes, but exactly. they're not yes, dismissive yes. of music Although, in I comedy. Say, I mean, that's always something that, I mean, a few people, only a couple of people going, oh, it's just somebody doing comedy. But I have found so much less antagonism to that than what I'd hoped for, really, because I've got so many people say to me, oh, it's just comedy and music. Oh, I've got so many arguments about that. But actually, few people do. It's something that I've worried about and people need to worry about. And it's it's hardly ever been a problem it's funny really that maybe it's because I've never gone down the route of corporate indie bands and haircut bands yeah and I so rarely play with those I, I actually I, I think that's that's true though I think you would have got that kind of response well you couldn't get, well it's, it's a weird thing isn't it if you'd have been a big success household name yeah people would have dismissed you for being funny and yeah but because you never went you, you know because you weren't that Everybody that likes you likes you for for yeah. what you do, and that's yeah. a really that's a really valuable thing to be in, I think, as an artist. And you you know you have got weirdly, I think you've got you've got sort of celebrity fans, haven't you? You've got people who like yeah. you who are you know a bit yes. well, a bit more well known than you are. I mean, yes, I, that's a, football, it's a yeah, funny yes, thing, which is, which is weird. Because I mean, it's like I, I remember seeing Mark Ellen on your video. I think you know <laughs> the, where we everyone had to hold up something that they yeah, wanted yeah. for Christmas, and I was like, that's Mark Ellen from the Word magazine. Oh, it's just nice. He's, yes, I, I mean, I've met him a couple. It's a very, a very nice man. A very nice man. I, I, yes, I, don't, I wouldn't say he's a celebrity fan. He doesn't mean to gigs. No, and he's not even that well known. It's like it's one of these things where for me he's the household name again. But yeah, again, yeah. I have to explain who Mark Ellen is in the Word podcast. I have to explain what that is. Well, when the, I start it's, it's just, I've, I've met a couple of things when I, I've done bits of Bob's. So, yeah, I, 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 I played at the. Well, not do the story because it's a long story. No. But I, 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 I ended up playing at the Word stage at the Cornbury Festival. Oh, cool. And uh, for various reasons, which I won't go into, which was quite funny. But then, it, then, then I went and did um, David Hepworth at the Word does a thing called. Um, it's true stories. True stories it? told so, life. Yeah. And I did one of those. And Mark Allen came and said, "Oh, hello, I, I'm Mark Allen. You may remember I met you at the Cornbury Music Festival." And he sort of thing like, "You're Mark Allen. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to tell me. I know who you." But he, but it's, and it is quite nice to meet people like that who are actually. 
quite nice and well, sort of weirdly. What you can about. tell from their podcast, if I'm going to advertise somebody else's podcast, what you can tell is, regardless of whether you agree with their opinions about music all the time, they're 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 genuine guys and yeah, they love yeah. music and they love what they're talking I, I, about I, and they love pop culture. And I think that really comes. So when I met, yeah. I mean, because I'm, I'm a word subscriber, I love that. Because I think it's really brilliant. Yeah. And I think it really comes across. Isn't it? These people who a actually do really like music and b don't really need to prove it. Really, I, I I think that's I think that's why a lot of the times a lot of the people that I've met who are that sort of, like I mean the classic example is Stephen Mack who is actually a really nice bloke who genuinely does love what he does and so doesn't really need to prove it and so and then we but then I have met music journalists I mean, who are tossers yeah who aren't that bothered but really feel like they have something to prove it's the real the real thing I'm always scared of is meeting my heroes like I'm really scared to meet say Paul Morley. Right, and yeah, find yeah. out like if he, if he turned out to be a wanker, I'd be gutted because I, I really like his right, journalism yeah, yeah. and I really like his books, and that, that's the thing I'm always scared of. It's really nice when they turn out to be nice, but it's yeah. really like weird when they turn out to not be what you felt they were. My, my absolute hero in the world of rock is John Otway, and I've met him a couple of times. He's just brilliant. He's everything you could have dreamt of. <laughs> well, I guess that's the thing because you've kind of been at the peripheries. You, you've got to meet some of your heroes. Yes, yeah. I mean. It, and and that's that must be a, a great thing. I mean, I kind of feel that weirdly, like when meeting you. You're, I mean, I wouldn't say you're, you know, you're not. You, I don't want to dismiss you, but you're no. not. You're not the top tier of my heroes, but you're definitely no, on the. Sure you're definitely not. a second. You're definitely a second tier hero. You're definitely somebody who <laughs> championship right? showed me a way. You, there's people who change your life, and there's people who show you yeah, the way. Yeah. And you're someone who's shown me the way. Where you know John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah, he's John the Baptist, <laughs> and yeah, and Darren Heyman's Jesus, I guess, okay. something like that. Um, in terms of the way I'm thinking about yeah. music at the moment, Do you, have you met Darren Heyman? Uh, you talk no, to him on I, Twitter. I, I, it's I, weird when you follow people on Twitter and they talk to each no, other. I've never, I've never met. I, I, I think I've stood next to him a couple of times, but I've never actually. No, I've never actually met him. I, and I wasn't. I just didn't hear Hefner, one of those bands that I never. I, I was aware of Hefner, but never heard. Them. Yeah, I never knew them at the time. But then, yeah. when I met my girlfriend, she got me into Bella Sebastian and Hefner around the same time. Yeah. And you know, I got all credit to her. I, I'm very mocking about a lot of her musical taste, as she is about some of mine. But she introduced me to those bands, and those two bands changed my life. So there's always some crossover. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But I mean, with I mean, say with him, that's a good, good example of me because he's like some of you. Like I think I don't really because I know so many because loads. Of, I, I don't. Like the band I love, Darling, who are my absolute favourite band at the moment, yeah. are so linked to uh, Mr. Heyman yeah. and, and his world. And like, I've got other friends who he's produced. No, and he's doing some sort of very interesting independent stuff, like exactly, sort of exactly, in the same yeah, kind yeah. of areas that you have kind of. And, and yeah, he lives on the road. No, and, I know. Yeah, I and know. Sort of think, I think, oh, I'm just a bit, I think, I don't necessarily, I think, well, I don't want it's, it's difficult. So I think, well, I don't, I don't know if I actually do wonder, but what, what if it turns out we don't get on? <laughs> I saw, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I think I, I think I, well, because I, you know he did the January songs project. Yes, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. saw he did lots of video logs. So I think I would get on with him from having seen them. I met him once at a gig, and my mate got him to sign a CD, but he asked him to sign it. To, it was to for my for my girlfriend, yeah. and he said, uh, my mate said, can you write? from Darren Heyman, I love your poetry, right? Yeah. And he did. And then this turned out to be a very tragic thing. She got back and I wasn't there and she saw the CD and she thought that Darren Heyman had found her poetry and was a fan of her poetry. I was like, oh no. Oh, no. Um, so that was a bit of a sad, sad version of meeting him. But he, yeah, but, yeah. but, but, but uh, 
I yeah, he's a big hero of mine. I don't know how that happened, how we got onto this. Is the thing with conversations. Yes, they're, yeah. they're like uh, journeys, and the, you, you find it's like having a conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. The, the weird thing about conversations is it's like having a conversation. But 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 <laughs> I mean, it's about time to wrap up now. But I mean, there's so many uh, areas I didn't manage to catch. Oh, actually, yeah. one of the things I did want to talk to you about was spectrum, right? Because you know your big thing was hey hey sixteen k, and when I was growing up, what I had was a Spectrum first. Yeah. Um, I was of the generation where it was mostly Mega Drive, then Master Systems, and all the consoles came out at the end of my kind of com- relationship yeah. with computer games. Um, and I'm a big fan of cartridge games, actually. I've got still got my N64, which was the last cartridge right. game ever made. I actually wrote a song about the last computer game character from a car- like platform game character right. it's called The Last Platform and he's there on a platform but everything else is being destroyed by the dust that's destroying the cartridge and he's looking at the world all going and uh, soon he'll he'll be resigned to history because cartridges that's the thing they're physical yeah they're, yeah. they're not digital and so they, they can be damaged and I find I don't know the older I get the more I care about the physical stuff you know what I mean like I mean, yeah. uh, tapes and stuff like that yeah. that I hated when I had tapes but now I'm like, oh, tapes. <laughs> One thing I wanted to just test on you, right? My first band, we all liked Spectrums. And we had a, a terrible time deciding names. And we were at school, right? Yeah. So t- that's the caveat. We were 17. It's not my fault. And we, for a brief moment in time, called ourselves Redefine Keys. Do you get the reference? I get the reference, yeah. Nobody else got the reference. Really? It just sounded like we were being pretentious, redefining keys. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, oh, wow, you, yeah. see, that's great. That's what I like is, I thought, if anybody I say this to is going to go, oh yeah, oh, yeah, I get the reference. It's going to be MJ Hibbert. So I'm, I'm really glad that you did. Z left, X right, P up, L down, I think. There you go. And... Redefine the keys. <laughs> this is about the, the area of the uh, conversation where I ask if you've got anything to plug. So how can people find your stuff? www.mjhibbit.com which is for M-J-H-I-B-B-E-T wonderfully Google seems to be on my side now so if you just Google me but however you speak you should be able to find it and uh, yeah we've done it, we're plugging we've got the Moon Horse yep. uh, which is the moonhorse.net actually which is much easier to remember which I show we're doing the Edinburgh Fringe and then we're doing the Camden Fringe on the around the the, the Balls Bank Holiday Weekend Friday Saturday so that's, that's, our, that's our next big thing that we've got coming up and then Dinosaur Planet, the album, will be out hopefully in January, at the end of the year. Which we haven't spoken of, because it's just too amazing. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's just a rock opera. It is a rock opera. It's a proper rock it's opera. It's a lots of different vocalists. Yeah, it's about, oh. 20, it's about 20 different people on it. Exciting. It's got a dialogue. It's got sound. I'm going up uh, a week on Monday to do the fine mixes of the dialogue. And we've got things like... The reverb in a room from one scene changes when we go back to that room half an hour later. Uh, there's some footsteps we've got around that are missing. We've got to add a, a laser beam. And it must be exciting doing this new thing. It's very exciting. It's, it's really exciting. I mean, because I think one of the things about this is because when we started doing it like two or three years ago, I did sort of say, I want to do it properly. Because, you know, a lot of the time you, when somebody does a concept album, it's like you wouldn't, often you wouldn't know it was a concept album when you listen to it. Because it's like, it's basically some songs that are sort of about the same thing. Or the God Help the Girl album by Bella Sebastian, which is like, yeah, you know, put your put your back into it. Really, this isn't good enough. Yeah, it's like even if you read the story that comes with it, it's not really convincing that it is actually a story. I thought I want to do it properly. It will be, and it was written as a story with dialogue between. There are actual characters in it. it I wanted to write something that would stand up to what Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. 
Okay, wow. Uh, and I, I honestly, hand on heart, think he does. And I'm really, really lucky because we've nearly finished it. I'm so looking forward to playing it to people because I just think if you say it's con, I don't think anybody would expect us to have done what we've done because it genuinely, it's the thing I'm most proud of that I've ever done. Brilliant. And I think it actually works as a whole. Um, and, and the lovely thing about it is, uh, so this will sound pretentious, but I think it is, on the one hand, it is a rock, it is actually a science fiction, a full cast science fiction rock opera about uh, the return of dinosaurs from space. And it does have giant robots, and there is explosions, and there is fighting. Uh, and on that level, it's everything I hoped would be on more. But, then, I, but I, I, the thing I'm happiest about is it does use those elements, and it doesn't deride them. It's not a pastiche, it's not taking the piss. Is if anything a celebration of ludicrous science fiction ideas, but it, but not even but, and it does have points to make about things. Really, and, uh, one of the it makes points about the value of academic research uh, is quite a big thing in it. Uh, vegetarianism, although well, don't tell the band because they're not supposed to know that. Um, and also, there's the, I'm, I'm so proud of it because it is, it is, I think it manages to make say a lot of things, but without being wanky about it. And, and it uses gigantic dinosaurs fight, fight, fighting space robots to make important political points. Oh, brilliant! So, so yes, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it because we haven't played it to anybody um, at all. No, wow. Nobody outside of it has heard it. So I, I really think when people hear it, and when's going, it coming out? Hopefully January. I mean, January. Okay. Yeah, and we're doing the fight. I'm, I'm doing. I'm, we're doing the penalty master. Uh, with, uh, it could be time. Then we're going to have a month listening to it and then finish mixing in September. Uh, we might have copies for gigs in November, but it's going to come out probably in January. Fantastic, brilliant. Well, it's been a pleasure getting yes, thanks, better thanks acquainted with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, would would you like to say goodbye to the audience? Oh, no, I like goodbye, audience. Thank you. I'm sorry to have gone on so, and thank you very much. It's been nice getting acquainted with you. <laughs> brilliant. All right. Goodbye. Bye, boy. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted. Coming out on Friday, the second episode in GBA's Fringe season.